Live from our WSBT Radio studios in downtown South Bend. Let's go! Come on! Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Wow, don't blink. A lot of major intestinal fortitude going on here. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish has upset Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Number one ranked UCLA Bruins have been upset by the Irish of Notre Dame. Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame, 3.7 seconds away from a spot in the national championship game. The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT, WSBTradio.com. The free WSBT radio app. Big time budgets. Now, here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner, Darren Pritchett. Seven minutes after five o'clock. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on your home of the Fighting Irish. Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Eight minutes after five o'clock on this Thursday, January the 19th of 2023. My name is Darren Pritchett. We welcome you to the program. And we have breaking news to report to start the show. What had been reported earlier this afternoon is now official with a little different wording than what was first reported. But the University of Notre Dame has sent out a press release and it is announcing that Notre Dame men's basketball coach Mike Bray, in their words, quote, will step away from the program at the conclusion of the 2022-23 season, end quote. So a heck of an era of Notre Dame basketball is coming to a close. So we will focus on that piece of information, of course, throughout the program here on WSBT Radio. Also, we had some pre-planned topics for you tonight, including Mike Singer from Blue and Gold Illustrated talking Notre Dame football recruiting at 6 o'clock. Notre Dame hockey talk with hockey writer John Finneran right around 625. Also, we will preview a very juicy Big Ten basketball schedule for tonight. So let's start with the information we have right now. And I am going to read the press release for the first time with you. Again, it just came out as the show open was starting and it reads as follow. The University of Notre Dame announced today that Notre Dame men's basketball coach Mike Bray will step away from the program at the conclusion of the 2022-23 season. The second paragraph features a quote from University Vice President and Director of Athletics Jack Swarbrick. Quote, Mike and I have talked often in recent years about a future transition in the program's leadership and during our most recent conversation we reached the mutual conclusion that the end of this season represented the right time, 
end quote. There is another quote from Mr. Swarbrick, so let me continue. Quote, that Mike is the winningest coach in the 119-year history of Notre Dame men's basketball speaks to his skill as a teacher of the game. His even greater legacy, however, lies in his achievements as an educator and mentor of the young men who played for him. In that sense, he represents this university as well as any coach I have worked with during my time at Notre Dame. And for that reason, I look forward to working with Mike to define his future role within Notre Dame athletics. The Notre Dame press release also includes a quote from Reverend John Jenkins, president of the University of Notre Dame, quote, For over two decades, Mike Bray's program has maintained the highest integrity, graduated its student-athletes, and achieved tremendous success on the court. Despite the many pressures of his sport, he remained, at heart, a teacher of young men, helping them play at the highest level while growing into adults and preparing for success beyond basketball, end quote. Coach Bray is quoted in this particular press release. Again, I'm reading this for the first time with you. Coach Bray is quoted as saying, It has been a great run for me and our program over the past two decades, but it is time for a new voice to lead this group into the future. I want to thank our student-athletes, assistant coaches, and support staff who have played such a key role in the culture we have created. From Father Malloy hiring me to Father Jenkins' guidance and Jack's friendship, I leave this place with immense gratitude to the university, and I'm proud of everything we've accomplished together. I look forward to working with Jack in any role that can help the Notre Dame family, end quote. And as I scroll down the email, I don't see anything else other than Coach Bray will meet with the media tomorrow at 11 a.m. And we will hear from Mike Bray in regards to this announcement. So it doesn't say retire, which was first reported. Tom Noy had it first from the South Bend Tribune. He, I thought he said retire in his statement. Whatever the case may be, the official wording is this. Mike Bray will step away from the program at the conclusion of the season And according to Jack Swarbrick in his quote in this particular press release, that it was Bray and Jack reached a mutual conclusion that the end of this season represented the right time to go in a different direction. With the way this season has transpired, it's crossed my mind several times that Mike might just walk away at this particular moment. And I thought that not because of the record this year, 9-10, and 1-7, and seven, but you kind of look at where this program is right now with the group of players that they have, the six grad student players. This is going to be a completely different roster next year. And with the players leaving the program, it feels like, an overhaul is needed at this time. Now, if Mike is going to coach 
six, seven more years, I think it makes sense if he wants to stick around. But I remember talking to Mike. We were just kind of chatting out at Blackthorn right before his coaches versus cancer golf tournament. And before we turned on the recorder to interview, I was just joking with him that he was going into his 23rd year. And we basically arrived in South Bend almost at the same time. I was just a little ahead of him. And we were joking about, you know, retiring and riding off in the sunset at the same time. Of course, I'm joking. And he made the comment, well, you might have to wait a couple of more years. Well, I guess that time is now for Mike Bray. And I think there's no question right now there's going to have to be a, an overhaul of the roster. There's going to have to be a rebuilding of that roster. And we'll have to find out in the coming weeks or months who that person might be to take over for Mike. It is a very challenging job. I've always felt like no person on campus has a more difficult set of ground rules for recruiting than Mike. It's tough. It's tough to bring in those one-and-done players in South Bend because let's, let's be perfectly honest. It is not easy being a student at Notre Dame. And if you truly believe you're a one-and-done player, you play college ball for a year and you go pro, do you really want to bust your tail for a year at Notre Dame and then walk away when you could go to pick your favorite school and have a little quote-unquote easier time with that one year you're going to spend in college? It's tough. It's tough. And I think Mike has done an amazing job here. I know he has his critics. There have been critics that have wanted him to leave the program over a decade ago. But he's been really, really good for this program. Took it to different heights. My feeling about Notre Dame basketball when I arrived here in town in December of 98, coming from Illinois, just seeing Notre Dame basketball from afar, it was a mediocre program. And Mike changed that and quickly got things going here where this team was extremely competitive. It's not easy being in the Big East back in the day with all the powerhouse schools. The ACC has its challenges as well, but Mike won a lot of basketball games in those two very difficult conferences. He's 63 years old. He's the winningest coach in Notre Dame basketball history. 481 victories, 268 defeats. He has led Notre Dame to the NCAA tournament 13 times over his first 22 years. And as we know, this year it's going to take the run of all runs in the ACC tournament to get into the NCAA tournament. But 13 trips to the tournament made it to the Elite Eight in back-to-back years. And I think one of his crowning achievements is becoming 2015 ACC champions by winning that tournament. That was a really, really good team with a lot of pro players on it. You think about Demetrius Jackson, Pat Connaughton, It was just a really solid, solid basketball team that nearly that second year going to the Elite Eight, or was it the first year? No, it was the first year almost knocking off that undefeated Kentucky team just coming up short. But this year has been a struggle. I know I 
let go a little frustration on last night's program, just watching the first minute of the Florida State game the other night, giving up on the first possession, the baseline, and an easy two. You go down and miss a layup. They get the rebound, go coast to coast, and a slam dunk. No transition defense. At some points, it's on the players. And there was just a lack of effort throughout the year on the defensive end, and I don't understand why, because they were competitive last year. They weren't great. They were competitive. They're not competitive this year. Giving up 46% shooting from the field is inexcusable. And that's adding in all the weaker opponents you played at the start of the year. That's not ACC shooting percentage. That's for the season, and that's disappointing. So, again, we start the program with breaking news, and, again, I'll use Notre Dame's terminology that Notre Dame has announced today that men's basketball coach Mike Bray will step away from the program at the conclusion of the season. I think you as a fan want to know, was he fired? Was he let go? That statement is very generic. It, I think, allows you to wonder what it really means. I'm not sure why they would say it that way. That just leads to more speculation. You either retire or you get fired. And you know what? A guy who's been at a program for 23 years and taken the program to another level doesn't get fired. You work out a deal and he walks off into the sunset. Plain and simple. So I guess we'll say step away as history goes on until Mike has his press conference tomorrow. And maybe we'll find out his wording on how this all transpired and what it truly means. But Notre Dame has had a great run with Mike Bray as the basketball coach, winning as coach in Notre Dame basketball history. But this will be it for Coach Bray. It sounds like he might stay on with the university in some capacity, but The search for a new men's basketball coach, I assume, is underway at this particular time. Again, we knew this was coming in the next couple of years, but apparently the time is now. Mike Bray is stepping away, and away we go into a different era of Notre Dame basketball. It will be very strange to see someone else on the sideline at this point, but the time has come. So we will try to figure out who might be some of the top candidates that wants to join this Notre Dame athletic department or maybe rejoin the Notre Dame athletic department. It's going to be really interesting to see some of the names that pop up in this particular search. I always felt like that a guy that would be a perfect fit when this day arrived, but I think at this point he is retired, and I can't imagine he's going to be interested in jumping back into coaching. But I always thought John Beeline, the former Michigan coach, would be a really good fit here. Does things the right way, teaches a fun style of offensive basketball, and just has won wherever he has gone. But I think that time has probably passed. So I'm really curious to see some of the names that will be popping up, whether they're real or not, truly candidates or not. Over the coming weeks, there's a an old basketball player from Notre Dame that's a head coach at Delaware that might come to mind. Martin Inglesby, would it be his time to jump up to Notre Dame? He knows the program well, made it to the NCAA tournament last year as head coach of Delaware. 
I don't know if Notre Dame is looking for someone outside of the family, a huge name, or would Martin be someone with his ties to the program that understands the program? Would he be the type of person Notre Dame is looking to bring in? If you want someone with integrity, he's going to do things the right way. I mean, Martin Inglesby, he checks all of those boxes. We shall see. So, again, Mike Bray stepping away from the University of Notre Dame men's basketball program at the conclusion of this season. He'll meet the media tomorrow, and he will coach against Boston College at Purcell Pavilion on Saturday, 2 o'clock tip, 1.30 pregame, right here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. That's the breaking news. We'll take a break. 523 on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Sports fans, the king of beer. Budweiser's weekday sports beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Wesley, off-balance shot, no good. Atkinson put back. It's good. That's it. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Notre Dame in double overtime. Here's your host, Darren Pritchett. Happy St. Patrick's Day, baby. at Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Welcome back to the program. If you're just joining us, made official at the top of the hour in a press press release, the University of Notre Dame has announced that Notre Dame men's basketball coach Mike Bray will step away from the program at the conclusion of the 22-23 campaign. The quote attributed to Jack Swarbrick, quote, Mike and I have talked often in recent years about a future transition in the program's leadership. And during our most recent conversation, we reached the mutual conclusion that the end of this season represented the right time, end quote. So after 481 victories and counting and 23 years with the Fighting Irish basketball program, this will be it for Mike Bray at the conclusion of the season. There's also some pretty good history on this day in Notre Dame basketball 49 years ago. UCLA had that 88-game winning streak. You might have heard of it. It's still a Division I men's record, and a group of young men representing the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame pulled off that victory. Dick Enberg had the call back in the day at what we now call Purcell Pavilion. We'll watch the clock, 17 seconds. Walton knocked away by Schumann, and he throws it back to Curtis. Curtis shoots. He forced a bad shot. Rebound, Roca, seven, six. They lost it out of bounds with six seconds remaining in the game. Six seconds remaining. Here's the play. Roca had it, but couldn't hang on. Notre Dame 71, UCLA 70 with six seconds left. Into Walton, he can't score. Turn of it, Myers, Schumann, it's all over. Another one ranked UCLA Bruins have been upset by the Irish of Notre Dame. 71-70, the longest winning streak in collegiate sports history has ended where it began three years ago. Unbelievable. Look at the last play again. Well, look again. They bring it into Walton. Good position. He turns. He's got the shot, but he did not get the angle. 
Shoemate has the ball in the Irish have the game. What a what a game. Notre Dame, number one in football, now laying claim, number one in basketball. Same two teams next week in Los Angeles for Rod Huntley. This is Dick Enberg. Good afternoon from South Bend, where Notre Dame has defeated UCLA 71 to 70. Well, I've heard that particular broadcast several times, but I just thought about this, listening to it this time. In today's sports broadcasting, how many times would you leave what we would consider a historic game and an historic outcome one minute after the game's over? That's it. We're wrapping things up. I think the game was on TVS back in... 1974, but to think how Notre Dame takes down one of the greatest winning streaks in any sport, 88 consecutive games, in dramatic fashion. It wasn't like Notre Dame won by 20. You had that chaotic sequence where UCLA had several shots at the basket, including Bill Walton, could not score. The Irish win the game. The fans rush the floor. And the 88-game winning streak ends. And after about a minute recap, good night, everybody. If it's on any channel today, you are staying with that for 10, 15 minutes, getting interviews, a reset, recapping the final moments of the game over and over. Just kind of funny back then. It's on to the next program. The Dick Van Dyke Show or whatever was on next. That's what we moved on to. Strange how sports television has evolved through the years. If that game was on ESPN, it would probably go into Sports Center, and Sports Center would throw it right back to South Bend, and the interviews would get underway from the court. But back then, see you later after about one minute. By the way, that particular win by the Fighting Irish, ended UCLA's 88-game winning streak, but it also moved Notre Dame to 9-0 in the season. And, yes, they actually played again one week later at Pauley Pavilion. Strange how that was scheduled back in the day. But UCLA took care of business this time. It was not close. UCLA 94 and Notre Dame 75. That dropped the Irish to 11-1. and they would not lose their second regular season game till the final game of the regular season when they lost at Dayton by double digits, and then they would lose one more time in the postseason. And the Irish had quite a year back then, a 26-3 record highlighted by ending what is still the record for most wins by a Division I men's basketball team, John Wooden's UCLA Bruins, 88 game winning streak and with John's ties to South Bend and South Bend Central just so ironic that the great winning streak that he orchestrated would end right back here in South Bend 534 at Sports Radio 960 WSBT and again I guess we have two moments in Notre Dame basketball history we will remember on January 19th of course that 88 game winning streak snapped Back in 1974 and in 2023 was the day we found out that Mike Bray would no longer be the basketball coach at Notre Dame at the conclusion of the season. Again, if you're just joining us, the wording is Mike Bray will step away from the program 
at the conclusion of the season. All right, let's move on to a little more basketball conversation. We'll keep you updated on anything else that comes out of this Mike Bray news today, and we'll recap it all as we continue on in Budweiser's weekday sports beat. But we have a fun college basketball night tonight. The Big Ten slate, I think, is a really, really good set of games this evening, highlighted by Indiana looking to continue to get back into the Big Ten race. They got back to their winning ways by hammering Wisconsin at the Assembly Hall over the weekend. Indiana 11-6, 2-4 in the Big Ten. They will visit Illinois tonight. The Illini are 13-5, 4-3 in the Big Ten Conference. The game is at 8-30 tonight, and you can watch it on FS1. Right now, according to DraftKings Sportsbook, Illinois is a 6.5-point favorite. Both of these teams have gone through their struggles. Illinois was a mess a couple of weeks ago. Sky Clark, one of their premier guards, who was not playing very well at all, a five-star, he, quote-unquote, walked away from the program, from the people I know over in Champaign. He quit the team. Not sure why the Illinois folks aren't reporting it. Illinois media relationship with that university is so much different than the Notre Dame media relationship with the Fighting Irish programs. It's it's very strange. Nobody wants to report on anything over in Champaign. It's, it's very bizarre. But since Sky Clark, quote-unquote, left the team, they have played so much better. Maybe it's coincidence. But when a guy isn't playing well and he gets a lot of minutes, you know it affects the rest of the team. They see it. They don't understand it. And with Sky out of the way, Roles are being defined and now more earned, and now Illinois has won four consecutive games going into this matchup against Indiana. Here's Illinois head coach Brad Underwood on this Hoosier team that at the start of the year was supposed to be the cream of the crop. Indiana obviously picked to uh, to win the league. Um, they've had uh, a little bit of an up-and-down year. Uh, they do have the best player in the league. Uh, as, as voted on in the preseason and Trace, he's having a phenomenal year. Uh, anytime you get 24 rebounds in a game is, is a pretty dominant uh, performance. We all know his athleticism. Uh, but, uh, and then Shafino Hood, uh, the freshman has had uh, maybe as good a year as, as any freshman, uh, not just in the Big Ten, but in the country. So uh, there's some veterans. Obviously, Miller got, has been around the, the league for a while. Uh, excellent shooter. And uh, so we're going to play extremely well. Team that uh, protects the rim extremely well. Does a great job of blocking shots. Um, and uh, a team that uh, uh, anytime you've got Trace on it in the post uh, can cause you some problems. I think one of the interesting matchups in tonight's game is Trace Jackson Davis of Indiana. Going up against Illinois' Dane Danger. Davis averaging 17 points and nine rebounds. Danger is not the center of the Illinois offense like Jackson Davis is for Indiana. Last two games, he has scored 20 against Michigan State, 11 against Minnesota. He's 6'9", 250, but let me tell you, he has great footwork also with his physicality. Kofi Coburn always gave Trace Jackson Davis issues when they played. It'll be interesting to see how Jackson Davis performs against Danger, who is shorter 
than Coburn, but a very physical guy down in the low post. So that is a matchup to watch. And Indiana head coach Mike Woodson sees an Illinois team that looks like they've figured it out after a really tough stretch. Well, their their defense has picked up. I thought, you know, watching the Minnesota game play last night, um, you know, they, they kind of got after him from a defensive standpoint. And when you turn it over, they they make you pay because they get the ball up and down the floor. Um, you know, they got a nice mixture of guys. Uh, you know, they don't have big Kofi, but the big fella that's playing inside for them is playing well for them. And he does a lot of nice things from a low post standpoint. So Trace, you know, has got to come ready to play. Um, but, I mean, I like their team. I think they're well coached. And, you know, they're playing at home. You know, they went out on the road which, uh, you know, they hadn't won a lot out on the road like that. And so that was a big win for them last night. So they coming in for a game winning streak, feeling pretty good about themselves. I think there's going to be some really good guard matchups in this game. The talented freshman Jalen hood Shafino, 13 points, four rebounds, four assists, a ball game going up against a pair of Illinois freshman guards, Jaden Epps, who was the player of the year in North Carolina, averaging nine points per game, a good three-point shooter, and then the defensive specialist, Sincere Harris, who comes from LeBron James High School. Doesn't score a lot, but he has been an absolute lockdown defender, a difference maker, a game changer on the defensive end for Illinois. And with all those young players, Illinois relying on their grad transfers to lead the way from Texas Tech, Terrence Shannon Jr., Great slasher with the left hand, 17 points, five rebounds, and the guy who won a national championship with Baylor, Michael Meyer, 11 points, four rebounds, shooting 37% from the field. He has been an awfully important piece on offense the last 10 games as the shots are now starting to fall. So what does Indiana need to do on the road? Here's Indiana head coach Mike Woodson. we got to put a 40-minute ball game together. Um, you know, you can't play in spurts on the road and, the one thing I do know when you play on the road, you got to defend and rebound the basketball and not turn it over. You know, those three in that order. And if you do that, then you give yourself a chance to win. Well, growing up in central Illinois, it was always must-see TV when Lou Henson and Bob Knight coached against each other. The Illinois-Indiana rivalry got pretty heated for a good amount of time. Supposedly, Lou went after Bob one time down outside the locker rooms. There was the time in Champaign with about three, four seconds left in the game. Indiana ahead. The game was over. Knight ran off the floor, waving to the Illinois fans. So there's there was tension back in the day between the programs and the fan bases. Things have died down a little bit the programs have not been at that elite level like they were maybe in 89 when Nick Anderson hit almost the half court shot at the buzzer to beat Indiana at the assembly hall a team that went on to go to the final four but it's always fun when these two get together and Illinois head coach Brad Underwood kind of looks at the rivalry the way I do through the time it was Lou and Bobby you know but I think it's two great programs it's two historic programs and uh, you know, I know as a kid, I always used to watch Lou and Bobby go at it. And that was fun. And, and it was uh, uh, to have history like that and tradition. Uh, both our fan bases are extremely passionate. They're, they're, they're great. And to me, this is what uh, makes college basketball fun. 
All right, so 8.30 tip, Indiana at Illinois this evening. Purdue, the leaders of the Big Ten, will play at Minnesota. Boilermakers favored by 13.5. Purdue beat Minnesota back on December 4th at Mackey, 89-70. An All-American performance that night from Zach Eady, 31 points and 22 rebounds. The freshman from Homestead, Fletcher Lawyer, 20 points in that game, 7 of 11 from the field, 2 out of 4 from the three-point line. Purdue head coach Matt Painter on if Minnesota is any different from the team that they beat by 19 back in December. You know, for us, it's um, they can play a couple of different ways. They can go bigger with pain um, in the game. Obviously, you got to be prepared for people to go smaller against you with Zach and trying to expose you, but they also don't like at the other end being small. Um, so, like, with pain at the center versus Garcia being at the center where they try really try to drag you out and uh, bring Zach out of it. So we just got to be prepared for both ways. But obviously they got a, a huge road win at Ohio State. And, um, you know, when you're dealing with Garcia and you're dealing with Battle and Cooper, you know, those three guys, we got to do a good job of keeping Cooper out of the paint. Um, he's such a, you know, he's a good passer. But then Battle um, is so dangerous. You know, he can go for 30. You know, Garcia scored 20 against us last year when he was at North Carolina. So just knowing where those guys are and then not letting having one of those other guys, you know, have a career night against us. Well, the Boilermakers are 17-1 and on the season. Their only loss at home by one point to Rutgers, and they're doing it with a couple of guys in the backcourt that are freshmen. Talked about Fletcher Lawyer a moment ago, and then you've got Braden Smith from Westfield, nine points, four rebounds, and four assists per ball game. Here's Matt Painter on what Smith has been able to accomplish so far in his freshman season. Just a good player. You know, obviously he was hurt, so he didn't do anything in the summer besides rehab stuff. And um, very competitive, um, such a good passer. You know, he can really pass. He makes other people better. But, um, you know, give credit to his, to his parents, give credit to his high school coach. You know, he showed up that way. Um, just a really, really good leader and a guy that makes other people better. Well, before the season got underway, it was like, well, the road through the Big Ten will go through Bloomington. It has not panned out that way at all. A Purdue team that was unheralded going into the season. Look where they are now. Yeah, just have fun. Like, this year is actually great because, you know, nobody pays attention to us before the season because we're not supposed to be good. Um, but those people don't set the narrative. You know, your hard work in the summer and what you do as a collective group when adversity sets in is really what sets the narrative. And that's, that's the tough piece, right, because we – as a program feel like we got more than five starters so it's hard to keep everybody happy but you know you got to keep the main objective you know locked in you know and that's winning and everybody on our team has to sacrifice and I think that's been the fun part of this is that we've had some guys you know step up on different nights but we've also had a lot of guys sacrifice and help us win. Matt Painter teams he doesn't necessarily go out and recruit all the flashy guys that are out there you know what he does he recruits players to his system. Who cares about the star system? I'm not sure if all Purdue fans get into the star system, but I hope you don't because Matt builds teams the way that he wants it. He doesn't just take players and alter a system. He has his way of doing things, and he builds around it. He brings in players that fit what he wants, and, boy, has it worked extremely well through the years as Matt continues to fly up the charts as one of the all-time winningest basketball coaches in Big Ten Conference history. Purdue at Minnesota tonight. Boilermakers looking to keep just one loss 
in that defeat column as they've got a pretty interesting schedule coming up. This is one they should put in their back pocket against the last place Golden Gophers. 547 is our time. If you're just joining us, the breaking news tonight from the University of Notre Dame, they have announced that men's basketball coach Mike Bray will, quote, step away, end quote, from the program at the conclusion of this season. The all-time winningest coach in Notre Dame men's basketball history will step aside at the end of this season. The Irish will host Boston College Saturday at 2 o'clock. We have the Mike Bray Show coming up at the top of the hour. Let me say this. That show is taped. It is not live. It used to be live. It used to be in front of a studio audience, but things have changed, and that show is not live. I have not heard it, so I don't know if they talked about this when they taped it, if Mike knew he was going to step away after the season when the show was recorded. So I don't know what to expect. So I guess tune in. We'll all find out together, but he will have a press conference tomorrow at 11 a.m. All right, it is 548. I'm Darren Pritchett. More Sports Beat next on WSBT. Commercials. This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. We go back to yesterday's program. The question I posted on my Twitter account at 960 Sports Beat. You voted on this. Take away the elite quarterbacks left in the NFL playoffs. Which of these four quarterbacks would you trust the most in a playoff game? Brock Purdy of the 49ers. Daniel Jones of the Giants, Dak Prescott of the Cowboys, the Jaguars, Trevor Lawrence. You have voted. Here are the results. Only getting 14% of the vote is Danny Dimes, the Giants, Daniel Jones, only getting 14% of the vote. I'm a little surprised. I think there's arguments for all four, but... With the way Daniel has played, throwing the football accurately, his running ability, taking care of the football, it would be hard for me not to choose him. Third place in the voting at 26% is Cowboys quarterback Dak Prescott. A lot of turnovers late in the year, but was terrific Monday night with four touchdown passes and a rushing touchdown in the win over Tampa Bay. The voting for first place, very close. Second place, 29% of the vote is the rookie out of Iowa State, 49ers quarterback Brock Purdy, who just continues to throw two touchdown passes in every ball game or more. Pretty remarkable. And winning the vote, the guy who had four interceptions in his first six drives of his first playoff game Saturday against the Chargers, Trevor Lawrence of Jacksonville led the way at 31%. Let's also keep in mind, last six drives, four touchdown passes, and also a drive setting up a game-winning field goal. Trevor Lawrence is the guy that you trust among the four listed in the playoffs this weekend. We thank you for voting. Here is today's question. Of these three premier games on the Notre Dame football schedule for 2023, which game is most winnable? Home versus USC, home versus Ohio State, away versus Clemson. 
Again, of these three premier games on the Irish football schedule, which is most winnable, USC, Ohio State, or Clemson? You can vote now, tomorrow. Love to have your vote. Just go to my Twitter account at 960SportsBeat. Breaking news this afternoon, Mike Bray is stepping away as Notre Dame men's basketball coach at the conclusion of this season, the winningest coach in the 119-year history of Notre Dame basketball. He's got 481 wins right now. Maybe 482 is coming up Saturday when the Irish host Boston College at 2 o'clock right here on WSBT Radio. More on that in a moment, 555 at WSBT. at WSBT. I'm Darren Pritchett. Welcome back to Sports Beat. Our breaking news that developed right as the show started tonight. Mike Bray, after 23 seasons as head coach of the Fighting Irish, will have a new man in charge of the program next year. In a statement released by Notre Dame, they worded as Mike Bray will step away from the program at the conclusion of this season Athletic Director Jack Swarbrick, quote, Mike and I have talked often in recent years about a future transition in the program's leadership, and during our most recent conversation, we reached the mutual conclusion that at the end of this season, it represented the right time. Mike Bray, 481 wins in 23 years here in South Bend, all-time winningest basketball coach. In Notre Dame men's program history, 13 trips to the NCAA tournament, two times to the Elite Eight, and the 2015 ACC champions this year has not gone the way anyone thought it might. A record of 9-10, 1-7. Bray and the Irish will take on Boston College at Purcell Pavilion Saturday at 2 o'clock. Hear the game right here on WSBT Radio. Pre-game coverage will begin at 1.30. So again, Mike Bray stepping away as head coach of the Fighting Irish men's basketball team. More to come on that story. Right now, let's get to our Notre Dame football recruiting conversation here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Budweiser's weekday sports beat continues on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. WSBTradio.com the WSBT radio app and on Twitch as Darren Pritchett talks Notre Dame football recruiting with Blue and Gold Illustrated insider Mike Singer. And we're back talking to Mike about Notre Dame football recruiting this conversation on 960 AM WSBT and also on the Blue and Gold YouTube channel. Mike, good to see you. How are you? Doing well, Darren. How are you doing? Doing very well, thank you. You told us last week about a big Notre Dame football recruiting weekend. Any takeaways from the activity? You know, Darren, I, I mean, it was close to 20 prospects on campus. It's a, it's a good group. You had, you know, it was mainly class of 2024 prospects. All seven commits were in town. Uh, a 2025 prospect and Dorian Brew from Ohio a player who actually on Wednesday night, uh, crazy enough as it seems, since he's only a sophomore, I did log a prediction for him to land at Notre Dame. Um, so, yeah, it, it was a good weekend overall, Darren. Um, no commitments to come out of it, at least as of now. Um, but it, it, I really do think that it's a weekend that's going to pay future dividends. 
I think it was last year for this same recruiting weekend, you had three players. Um, it was Preston Zinter, Sullivan Absher, and one more than Ames escaped me. In the 2023 class, who visited that weekend and ended up committing to the Irish. So I, I foresee similar things to the Irish. It's, it, it definitely seemed to go really well. A lot of people like to ask Aaron, like, what happens on a recruiting weekend like this for a junior day? Meetings, you know, video presentations, campus tours, video slash photo shoot, and you go watch the hockey game. That's that's kind of the gist um, for one of these campus, um, you know, junior days at Notre Dame. And uh, again, the players um, had a really good time on campus, and I do think it'll pay off for the Irish down the road. I should have known. I should have spied on the recruits for you. Give you a little inside info at the hockey game. I let you I thought, down. I thought about texting you for it, you know, <laughs> tell me who's sitting with who, but that's okay. We'll, we'll survive. Hey, we know Marcus Freeman is nonstop recruiting. What is his role in the month of January? So from this past Friday to the end of the month, Notre Dame coaching staff is out on the road. So checking in at high schools of these top 2024 and even 2025, inquiring about those players, inquiring about 2026 prospects even. So that's more of the assistant staff. But for Freeman, he's checking in at high schools of Notre Dame's top targets and commits in the 24 cycle all month. Um, so as we always talk about, this is the bump rule. I like to make it clear because, you know, we all write these articles about, oh, Notre Dame coaches on the road. It's like, what does that mean? So Marcus Freeman's in uh, on, on Wednesday at least. He was in the Northeast, right? Uh, you know, at a school in New Jersey, stopping in at a, a school in Connecticut. Like, what is he doing? It's it's the most he could do with the actual prospect is bump into the player, and I'm doing that in air quotes for radio audience. What exactly that means? What, that NCAA word there for bump rule? Like, I, 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 you know, it's up to your interpretation, I guess. Um, so, at most, it's a very small conversation. You know, a little bump. Hey, how you doing? Um, but it's a lot of, you know, talking to the high school coach, um, you know, that's a big deal. It, it's a big deal to have Marcus Freeman and this Notre Dame coaching staff at your high school. So they're inquiring about prospects, showing love just by being there. Um, and, uh, yeah, it, it, it's a big deal. And then obviously when the players come to campus, uh, which I think this past weekend is the only recruiting weekend that Notre Dame is going to have. Maybe they have one or two prospects you know, sprinkle in throughout the month. But um, that that's that's kind of the, the, the rundown for the month. So that big weekend last weekend, and then Freeman's busy on the road all over the country. Isn't it strange we're talking about these bump-into moments, and then we hear allegedly Jim Harbaugh bought a recruit a hamburger and got in trouble, but yet a couple of days later, a kid going to Florida didn't get his $13 million NIL, so he says – I'm not coming there. It, it just feel like the rules need to be updated a tad bit. The NCAA is just a well-oiled machine. <laughs> There's no issues with it, Darren. Yeah, it makes so much sense, all of these things. No yeah. question. Mike Singer, Notre Dame football recruiting insider, Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. I'm Darren Pritchett. C.J. Carr, of course, in the next recruiting cycle. He's already committed to the Fighting Irish, an elite quarterback. What is his role in recruiting? Because, Mike, on social media, I've seen some graphics of C.J. Carr, Marcus Freeman, and then someone they're trying to bring to Notre Dame. Yeah, and we'll talk about that someone in, in our next uh, talking point. But he's doing exactly what a quarterback should do. You know, he, he's publicly recruiting. He's pot privately recruiting. 
And not only is he talking the talk, he's walking the walk. He is going to Notre Dame as much as he can um, on these – like when Ryan Wingo, a top 24 receiver, is in town. He's going to South Bend just to spend a couple hours there to eat dinner with, with Ryan Wingo. He's been to Notre Dame 10 times in total, wow. uh, about half of those, a little bit more than half, since he committed to the Irish last June. So he's frequently on campus. He's recruiting. He's, he's just he's the perfect quarterback commit recruiter. And that's a, quite a handful of a term. But uh, he's, he's, I don't know, Darren, like quarterbacks are just kind of trained to, to not only be good at the position, but to just kind of be the face, to know how to speak to the media, to know how to handle yourself. T.J. Carr is, is one of the best that I've covered in this area. And it makes sense, right? He's Lloyd Carr's grandson. His dad played at Michigan. Uh, he's got an all-American uh, safety on the mo- his mom's side, his family, his grandpa. Like, he just – he knows football. He knows this position. He's been born – he was born to play it. C.J. Carr just gets it, and uh, he's, a, he's a pleasure to cover. Not everybody can be a leader. I don't believe you can be taught to be a leader going back a few years. Charlie Weiss tried to teach Jimmy Clausen how to be a leader, and it just wasn't something that was trainable. So it's good to see that C.J. Carr kind of has those leadership skills already ingrained in him. Yeah, he does. He does. And I, I, going back to the Weiss, I think that's more than a few years ago, Darren. I think you need to put several years on that. I'm trying to hide my age a little bit. <laughs> All right. Hey, Mike, yeah. let's talk about Justin Scott for a moment. I know this is someone Notre Dame fans who follow recruiting closely are waiting to find out where he's going to pick his school. And we at least now know the decision date is coming up. Darren, this is it, – it's a, it's a total win-win, in, in my opinion. If Notre Dame lands Justin Scott, this is the type of interior talent. I mean, he's a top 20 overall player nationally. You know, he, I think he's going to be a five-star by the end of the cycle. Like, this is a big-time talent from Chicago, if he doesn't pick Notre Dame, it's like, all right. I, I think the the the, uh, the message from Notre Dame fans are like, ah, NIL, whatever. Like, it's, it's a win-win. He comes here, and it's fantastic, and if he doesn't, it's like, ah, you know, like, what, what's Notre Dame going to do? It's, 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 you know, maybe that's a bad take. Is that a bad take, Darren? I think it makes sense. But, like, I just – he's going to be a great player. And um, But, okay, let's, let's, let's shift. Maybe that was not a reverse take, but let's shift into the actual recruitment, Darren. I do like Notre Dame Atlanta. Georgia just offered on Tuesday, and uh, he seems to want to – he's exploring that a little bit. So what does that mean? Does he go visit Georgia before he com- uh, commits on the 31st? Is he able to and then – or not able to, so he pushes it back so he can visit Georgia – does he say, oh, I can't get there, I'm just going to come in on the 31st? I don't know. There's a lot of different moving parts here. This is something I'm checking hourly you know, for our subscribers at, at Blue and Gold. So um, as things stand, I like Notre Dame to land them here in less than two weeks. But that Georgia offer, it was very much a situation where Scott posts, hey, I'm committing on January 31st. Georgia's like, oh, crap, let's offer this kid and see if we can't make a dent in this late. Um and uh, so I, I think that it's Notre Dame's to lose. But, again, the Bulldogs are in there, the two-time defending national champs. Uh, and then you have Michigan and Ohio State 
USC, Miami, some of those schools still battling as well. Interesting. Well, I would have to imagine that for Notre Dame football, defensive line recruiting is crucial in this cycle. There just doesn't appear to be that depth that Notre Dame has had for so many years where they could rotate two guys at every position and really not lose a whole lot. I think going into this year, there's a feeling there might be a little bit of a drop-off. So I guess I'm giving my opinion more than you know, speaking for you, but it just seems like wide receiver position that was huge for the last cycle. Defensive line appears to be my spot where they've got to hit some home runs. For, for 2024, Darren? Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, and, and they've got a solid one committed. And Owen Wayfoley's, you know, they, I don't think he's going to blow anyone away and think, oh, this is the five-star type guy. But Owen Wayfoley's a really solid piece for the IR, someone that they really wanted. They have, they're in pursuit of the Smith twins um, from, they're originally from Kentucky, but now they're, uh, they're playing up in Connecticut. Um, Mark Streaman was at that school on Wednesday. Uh, I believe they leave for both. If they get Scott, now you're looking at a four man class already. And then you're probably, you know, going to take a Viper as well, the weak side end spot. So Notre Dame is recruiting like a dozen to 16 defensive line. Like they have a big, defensive end board, defensive line board in general, uh, and I, I do think they're going to land. Like, I think their defensive line class will be one of the strongest units um, in, in the cycle for them. So I should probably jump forward to one of our other topics right now because this might play into our conversation. A position at Notre Dame you would like to see Notre Dame enhance through the transfer portal if the right player is available. Well, so now we're talking after spring ball. Right, because I mean, yeah, January. I think January portal very closed now. So, ah, yeah, you're gonna have to ask me that question after spring ball because Notre Dame's got a ways to go in terms of getting down to the 85 scholarships. Yeah. Right, they're in the 90s right now, so you're gonna have some players. Uh, you're, they're, it's gonna work itself out. Notre Dame's going to get down to 85. It always uh, does. You're going to have players lead, always does, <laughs> and it'll probably get down to 83, and Notre Dame will be able to take another player. And then and then Ohio State game or, you know, whatever it is early season, it's like, oh, now Notre Dame's down to 82. Like, it always, <laughs> that's always how it works. I always tell people there's much more to complain about, or not complain about, worry about, and have concern over than scholarship numbers. Like, Notre Dame knows exactly what's going to happen. Do not concern yourself. Um, like Chris Smith was a really nice late ad last year, added some depth to the interior of the defensive line. I don't know. Okay. I, I know that Notre Dame looks everywhere at every position. They're all, Marcus Truman says this, we are always looking to enhance our roster. That is not lip service. He, they really will look at every position. So if the, if their offensive line room stacked, great. If there's another offensive tackle out there right. who they can bring in that thinks that hey, he can do a, a great job here and, and he fits our academic qualifications, we'll do it. Let me throw this one at you because you know the tight ends very well through the recruiting process. Do you think there's any need to add a veteran guy if there's one available at that spot? Or do you think they're okay with the depth? I know they got some younger guys they're hopeful for. Yeah, it seems like they have trust in Holden Stays. They definitely do in Kevin Bauman mm -hmm. um, and Mitchell Evans. And, and Eli Raritan seems to be poised to take over as that lead receiving tight end. It's just like, what's the health 
Like, what, what's the status of the health in that room? Is Eli Raritan coming back from injury and, of course, bombing? So, personally, I think it's an okay room. Okay. I think, you know, between, you know, Chip Long, I think Bauman's the last player that Long recruited. Wow. Uh, but Chip Long to John McNulty to now um, to Jared Parker, I, I think it's been a well-recruited tight end room, yeah. and I don't think they need anybody. But I think that is – offensive tackle is obviously a poor example because – you know they're not going to, prob- they're not going to find an upgrade there, right? That's just not going to no. happen. And they got two of the best <laughs> offense tackles in the country. But tight end does seem like okay. We have a really good tight end room, but if we can find someone to enhance it even more, and it, and it adds up and it makes sense for us, we could do it. Mike Singer, Notre Dame football recruiting insider, Blue and Gold joining me on WSBT. Let's wrap things up by closing out, I guess, the 2023 recruiting cycle because. I know you never know, never say never, but we don't expect any activity on National Signing Day coming up for Notre Dame. So the final on3.com 2023 rankings are now out. Anything significantly changed for any of the Notre Dame recruits? Yeah, you had some bumps, you had some drops, the normal stuff. Brandon Hillman rose, you know, over 100 spots. Sullivan Absher dropped about 200 after, wow. you know, struggle you know at the shrine bowl and then at the all-american bowl like it just we had known he was raw off the pass block but then you know i think that kind of changed thing you know people are going to talk about odrick bowen's ranked way too low he's a butkus award winner and while i don't disagree we can't base rankings subjective rankings based on a subjective award right i mean that just doesn't make any sense um so you know, it, it just it is what it is. You're asking the wrong person. Maybe someone else. It would you know you can ask about rankings and they'll sound off and give you an amazing soundbite. Rankings just are what they are. Do I disagree with Rico Flores being ranked the number 63 overall wide receiver in the country? Heck yes, I disagree. <laughs> I think it's ridiculous, but I'm just not like it's it's just not something that I'm really gonna concern myself with. It just is what it is. Oh, the Notre Dame bias. Um, oh, people uh, People commit to Notre Dame and get dropped. Well, if this is not true, I mean, Armel Mookum just bumped up to a four-star. Like, I mean, there's all – I mean, Charles Jagasaw committed to Notre Dame and got bumped to a five-star. Uh, Jeremiah Love just got bumped up in the ring. Like, it, it's just it's just not true. So, um, and heck, I, I mean, the Butkus Award has been littered with Notre Dame players. I think that's, that's probably a little jaded towards Notre Dame in a good way. Not going to lie to you guys. So – it's 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 not the rankings are they are what they are this site thinks this is a player this site thinks this and that's why i like the on three consensus rankings because it just brings it all together and then it usually averages itself out this is a drastic comparison but for so long in baseball people will be like well who's better babe ruth or barry bonds well the styles of play the game has changed so dramatically it's hard to compare the two i don't see how you can rank high school football players at different positions in the same ranking, That's, a quarterback and a defensive yeah. end and a defensive tackle all lined up together. It just, it seems like a very difficult thing to do. Yeah. So when you talk to people who do the rankings, they're like, they think the position rankings are much like that. Yeah. That's what they spend the most time on. Absolutely. How they slot in nationally. It's more like throwing stuff on a dartboard. It's like a Don Schuler moved up one spot in the safety rankings, but he moved up like, you know, 40 in the <laughs> national rankings because of that. So it, it's just, it, it, 
it's much. In, in your example there, right, with the two baseball players, the gist is it doesn't matter. Like it, it's 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 a futile Amen. thing. It's just really for fun, and that's what rankings are. They're just for fun. And here we are talking about it for a few minutes on your show. That's what they come down to. It's just it's just something to talk about, really. I mean, it doesn't really matter at the end of the day at all. It may be fun, but it leads to temper tantrums and chaos a lot of times. <laughs> You're telling me, and emails. Darren. And message boards. <laughs> the message boards. Oh, and the Twitter. Oh, yes. yeah. It's like every, I mean, every fan base is like, these rankings are terrible. Well, someone, I mean, it's, it doesn't matter what the rankings are. I mean, if you have 18 of your signees get bumped and then one of them drops, the rankings are terrible. Like, at the end of the day, Darren, with, with the fans, I always will say, if your team, all your players are ranked higher, then would you like the rankings? No, well, I think one player of the 28 is ranked too high. It's just like, all right, I'm going to get off my sofa now. (laughs) There you go, Mike Singer, Notre Dame football recruiting insider. Check out his work at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. Darren Pritchett with you. Our top story today, Mike Bray stepping away as Notre Dame men's basketball coach at the end of the season, 23 years on the job right now. His win total sits at 481 with 13 trips to the NCAA tournament. More on that story as we gain more information. A press conference coming up tomorrow at 11 a.m. featuring Coach Bray. John Finneran, Notre Dame hockey writer, is going to join me. We'll also get his thoughts on Mike Bray stepping down as head coach of the Fighting Irish. That conversation is coming up in a moment, 626 at WSBT. A Michiana tradition continues. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. It is 6.30 on your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. I'm Darren Pritchett. Great to have you with us on, I guess we can call it, an historic day for... South Bend Sports with the announcement that Mike Bray is stepping away as Notre Dame basketball coach at the conclusion of this season. 6.30 is our time, and John Finner, who covers Notre Dame hockey, joins me. Of course, original co-host of Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. And, Finn, good to talk to you, and I just want to get your thoughts on the Mike Bray era here in South Bend of course, you were very familiar with Digger Phelps and John McLeod, and Matt Doherty wasn't here very long, but then Mike Bray, 23 years, 481 wins. I kind of feel like he changed the complexion of Notre Dame basketball. What's your thoughts of the Mike Bray era? Well, you know, it's it's kind of funny uh, uh, that we talk about it today because uh, today is the 49th anniversary of probably the greatest uh, moment in Notre Dame basketball history when they beat UCLA 71-70 uh, to end the, the Bruins' 88-game winning streak. Um, and it's kind of ironic for me because uh, shortly, uh, you know, I left South Bend to go to Florida to work in 2000, um, and, um, and Mike had just been named the coach. And I got to meet him a little bit uh, when, I, when I came back to gather up the family to take them back uh, down with me to Florida. And uh, just an, uh, a, a nice guy, 
did a lot for a lot of people in the community, especially coaches for cancer versus cancer. Um, uh, and uh, well-respected and uh, uh, a, a generally good guy. And, and the program, um, uh, you know, he deserves a lot of credit for where he took the program, including, uh, you know, those uh, the great years with uh, – um, earlier this decade where he took the team, uh, you know, to the elite eight a couple of times. So um, wish him well. Hope is uh, hope he has a, um, you know, a good uh, retirement going forward. He'll be missed. Mm, no question about that. It is not an easy job. I think it's the toughest job to recruit Finn at the university of Notre Dame recruiting to men's basketball. And he made this program so competitive in two of the best conferences in America, the big East and the ACC. So I think he done one whale of a job and some big shoes to fill here in South Bend. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see, uh, you know, uh, who they might, uh, you know, try to go after. Uh, but, uh, you know, Mike, uh, um, Mike did uh, did the, the the program well here. Should be commended for what he did. Yeah. It's been a long time since Notre Dame hockey and men's basketball have been under 500 at the same time in January, but that's where we are right now. The Irish hockey team had a tie and a loss against an outstanding Minnesota team last weekend, and now they take on the number six team in the country, Penn State, on the road. Tomorrow night at 6.30, Saturday at 5 o'clock, I'll have the call on Quality Rock 94.3 FM. Kind of a frustrating weekend, Finn, from this standpoint. This is my opinion. I thought five on five, we played really well against an extremely talented Minnesota team, but I think the difference is Minnesota finished just a little more than we did. Yeah, and that's the you know that's the deal. I mean, uh, remember the first two times they played uh, Minnesota this year, they got outshot very uh, 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 clearly outshot up there in uh, Minneapolis. Uh, the first night here they were outshot, but uh, on on Saturday night they outshot them, uh, took the game to them. They just you know um, they just couldn't put the puck in the net. Give a lot of credit to Justin Close, the the Minnesota goaltender, but. You know, there's a couple of things that are going on. First of all, you know, Notre Dame is averaging 2.38 goals a game. Uh, and, you know, the, you know, Jeff Jackson has always said, you know, they, the, the number they want to be at is three or more. And they've just had trouble struggling. Uh, what, for whatever reason, I don't know. Um, is it, uh, you know, is it a factor that, you know, they lost some key people in the at center and that, you know, the, the adjustment time has been a little difficult. You know, at this stage of the game, you would uh, uh, this game of the season, you would think, you know, that shouldn't be a, th- uh, a problem. But apparently it might be. Hmm. Uh, they also are not doing well on the power play. They have, they've only got 11 goals uh, in the power play this year. I think they're ranked 50th nationally out of 60 teams with the power play. Uh, and that has to get better. And, you know, Saturday night, they got a five-minute major power play uh, to start the game off and got two shots on goal. You can't have just, you know, you can't just have two shots during a five-minute penalty uh, uh, power play. You just can't. And so that needs to be addressed. And it's, it's, uh, it's, it's going to be tough. 
because you don't know what the situation is going to be this weekend in, in State College, whether, you know, uh, one of the guys who is big on that power play, Nick Lieberman, he's missed when he's not able to play. And, you know, he's a question mark for the weekend. You made a good point there, Finn. I'm going to jump on it. Through the years of covering Jeff Jackson teams, this has always been a team we could always say is disciplined. They don't take many bad penalties. And this has been a season that just feels like an outlier. Penalties have been a major problem. You highlighted what happened on Saturday. We were penalized seven times, and the five-minute major was an unnecessary penalty pushing someone from behind into the board's face first. You just can't do it, John. And and sadly, you're talking about the power play. I just watched ESPN's NHL show. They had the plays of the week. And number three was Notre Dame on the power play, giving up a shorthanded goal as the Minnesota player went through three of our guys to the front of the net and scored just a, a tremendous goal. So I look at the undisciplined nature of this team. It's just led to a lot of negative things. And, and the margin for error is so small, John. That's why these penalties can't happen. Well, and again, uh, you know, Notre Dame uh, coming in, and Jeff pointed that out too, you know, he's disappointed in the way they've been, you know, taking penalties. Usually, you know, in the past, if they had six minutes in penalties in a game, that was, you know, that was what they usually average. This year they're up, uh, they're over 12 and a half uh, minutes a game, which is 11th. Uh, the 11th uh, highest in the uh, in the nation. You can't have that when you're when you're sitting out. Uh, you know when you're when you're not five on five. As we said that they played well last week at five on five. Um, you know they're going up against a you know they're going up against a team that uh, uh, the Nittany Lions, who are uh, you know nationally they're ninth in scoring. Their margin of uh, scoring margin is tenth, and they only average seven point six penalty minutes a game, which is fifty six out of sixty. So they're they're the fourth lowest uh, or fifth lowest team in the country as far as sitting in the penalty box. And they uh, and the thing for um, you know when that when that plane landed today in State College. Uh, I would imagine Ryan Bishop might have had his pads on <laughs> because Mich- uh, because Penn State shoots the puck like no other team in the nation. They average 40 shots on goal a game, 12 more than they give up a game. So uh, that's why I'm saying Bishop probably yeah. had his pads on when he got off the plane today in, in State College. Mm. I've got and a- that's going to be a tough nut for Notre Dame yeah. this week. Sorry about that, John. One final question for I'm getting a little short on time. i got about 90 seconds. You look at Notre Dame right now, fifth in the Big Ten. They have 17 points. They're 17 points out of first place, so regular season title is not realistic. What is best case for the Irish right now? Is it home ice in the first round of the Big Ten tournament? Is that what the carrot is out in front of them right now, besides just getting better day in and day out? I think the carrot for them is just, you know, Let's see if we can start scoring some goals. Let's see if we can start putting some wins together and then start climbing up uh, not only the standings in the Big Ten, but also in the pairwise to see where they can get uh, in case, uh, you know, uh, you know they, 
make an early exit during the uh, um, during the postseason tournament, or will it be will they be high enough to get considered for an NCAA bid this year? Hmm. A lot of work to be done, no question about that. And beating a really good Penn State team would go a long way. They've actually had great success through the years against Penn State. Hopefully that will continue this weekend. John, good to catch up with you. And we will see what happens this weekend before the Irish come home for a couple of games against good old Wisconsin. So thanks for the visit and have a great weekend. All right, my friend. You take care and stay safe. You as well. Thanks, John. John Finneran covers the Fighting Irish hockey team. You can read him in the South Bend Tribune. Irish will be at Penn State tomorrow night, 6.30 opening faceoff. I'll have the pregame on the Notre Dame radio network, including on our Quality Rock 94.3 FM at 6.15. Then Saturday, an early start, 4.45 pregame with a 5 o'clock opening faceoff. Notre Dame and Penn State. The Irish lost to Penn State at home earlier this year by a score of 5-2 and then won the second game of the series 5-3. All right, 641 at WSBT. Again, repeating our top story, Mike Bray, according to a Notre Dame press release, is stepping away from the program at the conclusion of this season. Jack Swarbrick in the Press release said, quote, Mike and I have talked often in recent years about a future transition of the program's leadership, and during our most recent conversation, we reached the mutual conclusion that the end of this season represented the right time, end quote. Mike will hold a press conference over at Notre Dame tomorrow at 11 a.m. We'll recap it, of course, on Sportsbeat tomorrow night at 5 o'clock. We'll have a sports wagering segment to wrap up the program. The Mike Bray Show coming up at 7 o'clock on Sports Radio 960 WSBT, streaming live at WSBTradio.com and the WSBT Radio app. We all love a good time.